also celebrate Holy Communion on Thursdays. Uh, we practice an open table here, so that means wherever you are on your faith journey, you are welcome to participate in this meal of God's grace and welcome for you. Um, but if that is not a part of your practice, it's okay to stay in your seat as well and know that God meets you there. Um, just a couple quick announcements before we begin. Um, our Sunday worship that usually happens here, Sunday evenings, for the month of November, it will be in the Multi-Faith Center as this place is transformed for Christmas in Christ Chapel. So 6.30 in the Multi-Faith Center in Anderson Hall. And this Sunday, if you are planning to worship with us, you are invited to bring a memento or a memory of someone in your life who has died as we um, participate in and celebrate All Saints Day, um, a day traditional in the church where we remember those who have gone before us. So you're welcome to do that. With that, let's prepare ourselves for worship. Stand as you are comfortable and we'll pray together. God of creation, Create in us a new rhythm of life composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of days that deliver rather than destroy. By your everlasting grace, allow us to enter into your Sabbath rest, so that we may be restored. Amen. We're going to sing hymn number 771 in your lighter red book. 771.
So our first reading today is from Freedom of a Christian by Martin Luther. Many people have considered Christian faith an easy thing, and not a few have given it a place among the virtues. They do this because they have not experienced it and have never tasted the great strength there is in faith. It is impossible to write well about it or to understand what has been written about it unless one has at one time or another experienced the courage which faith gives a man when trials oppress him. But he who has had even a faint taste of it can never write, speak, meditate, or hear enough concerning it. It is a living spring of water welling up to eternal life, as Christ calls it in John 4.14. As for me, although I have no wealth of faith to boast of and know how scant my supply is, I nevertheless hope that I have attained to a little faith, even though I have been assailed by great and various temptations hope that I can discuss it, if not more elegantly, certainly more to the point than those literalists and subtile disputants have previously done, who have not even understood what they have written. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think that you are wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For this wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the, world, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. So let no one boast about human leaders. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Hi everyone, my name is Evie Doran and I am a sophomore studying English and political science. I'd like to thank, personally thank you all for joining us here at this time of reflection and rest this morning. If you asked my friends to describe me, I'm fairly certain they would all mention one specific quality. I am a planner. Sometimes this is a redeeming quality, like when eight people all want to get brunch, together for brunch, but no one else is willing to scour Yelp reviews, compare everyone's schedule, and orchestrate carpools. I love these moments. Being able to help those around me simply by doing what I love brings me a level of joy and peace that borders on addictive. But other times, being a planner is a detrimental character flaw. When things don't go according to plan, or worse, when there's no plan at all and I can't control that, I risk breaking down. We live in a culture that values plans. When preparing students to succeed in the classroom, professors will often preach the power of planning and organization. This is a sentiment I can relate to. Being able to control my variables in the equation allows me to breathe a little easier. But what happens when the variables are out of my hands? How do I move forward with calmness and certainty when I have no idea what's in store? This is a question that I had to confront quite frequently during my first year here at Gustavus. While I was able to print out the entire course catalog three days before I registered for my first semester, allowing me time to look up every prof and highlight my preferred choices, 
There's no way to plan for everything college brings. How does one plan for making friends? For finding your group? For completely random variables entirely outside of your control? When my life hit a bump, I would careen off the road entirely. I was so used to my plans following through that I was ill-equipped to deal with the emotional fallout of chance failure. These incidents would paralyze me, as I could do little more than worry about my present shortcomings and how they would impact my future prospects. All I could do was focus on the problem rather than working through it to find a solution. As this began to happen more and more frequently, I started having serious questions. Was life supposed to be this stressful? Were these feelings normal? How could I move forward when this feeling seemed like an all-encompassing reality, the only thing I would experience for the foreseeable future? It was at this moment, too, that I began to dig into my personal theology. Growing up, I never really felt a need to connect with the God of calming and peace. I made my own peace, and I was my own strength. But as I struggled with the uncertainty that I now felt, it made logical sense for me to call on this God I had never really had a relationship with before. Through my reflection, I came across passages like the one I read today. I resonated with the way Luther acknowledged the relative lack of understanding that we all have, and felt a sense of peace in the humbling realization that the God presented in 1 Corinthians is well aware of our shortcomings. Reconciling my expectations with the harsh reality of life has led me to growing closer to a theological perspective that not only recognizes our limits, but embraces them with open arms. I, much like Luther, feel that, although I have no wealth of faith to boast of and know how scant my supply is, I nevertheless hope that I have attained to a little faith. Through my relationship with the wonderful, wild, and mysterious God, I am able to recognize my own limits through my understanding and exaltation of God's glory. In interacting with God in my life, my mind immediately takes me to times and places when I've been overwhelmed by the peace surrounding me. Enter Holden Village. Holden Village is a small com community and Christian retreat center tucked in the awe-inspiring mountains, lush forests, and serene glacial lakes of western Washington. But to me, Holden is much more than a postcard-worthy landscape. In the wake of the housing market crash in 2008, the father of one of my close friends lost his job. In search of certainty, stability, <coughs> a plan, he found Holden. Later that year, my friend moved up to Holden Village as her father took on a new job as a year-round staff member. I would make frequent trips to visit her, and during the four-hour drive, 45-minute ferry ride, and 30-minute bus up the side of the mountain to join her at what would soon become my mountainous escape. During my time at Holden, I have experienced some of the most moving spiritual experiences of my whole life, but one in particular stands out. It was a snowy winter evening, and the vast majority of the community members had gathered in the worship space for a prayer service. While at first I wasn't super excited to have to sit through another church thing, I still attended out of courtesy and obligation. As I entered the building, I soon came to learn that this wasn't just another church thing. Handles were strewn across a handmade rustic table in the center of the room, providing a dim, warm light, the only illumination for the entire space. 
There seemed to be an atmosphere of complete calm, as if the rest of the world had been left at the door and the only thing that mattered was here and now. Booklets were passed out, and a cantor began to invite the community into joyous song. Thus began the practice that I now know as hold an evening prayer. Throughout the evening, songs were sung, thanks were given, and prayers were raised. I remember leaving the service with a sense of complete calm, and as I walked back to my friend's chalet through the towering pines and gentle snowfall, I felt as if God had manifested a reflection of my inner peace in the natural world. While I haven't visited Holden in nearly eight years, it remains one of the most significant places for me and my faith journey. Holden, for me, is a place free of plans, yet full of certainty. It represents a time when I felt true safety, a time and place where my peace is alive and well. When I begin to feel the fear and anxiety rising in my throat, threatening to overtake the rest of me, I think back to the way I feel it. Sometimes this means physically imagining myself amongst the ferns, moss, and pines, and other times it just means taking a deep breath and reminding myself of the presence of God. God doesn't ask me to have all the answers. God doesn't require a flawless five-step plan. God simply loves me for who I am, and because of that, I am enough. Plan or no plan. If you were to take away one thing from my story, let it be this. Plans fall through. You can't always help that. And God will still be there in all God's mysterious and wondrous glory, in ways both seen and unseen, to guide you through the next steps.